1: Well, hello. I'm Janet Morana, the executive director of Priest for Life. I also co-founded the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, the largest mobilization of women, men, and family members hurt by abortion. Come through healing and speak out. Well, joining me today, my co-host here is Father David Begany. Father, be welcome again, back. Mm-hmm. And we have a special guest with us today. Someone I think you know from EWTN fame, both TV and radio. Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Deacon, welcome to the program.
0: Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be with you.
1: Great to have you. And, you know, Father David is a a Josephite uh, priest, and you might want to explain a little bit. You have a particular charism. uh... Yeah,
2: when we say charism, we mean what is the gift that God gave to the founder of our community, and the gift was to evangelize the African-American person, uh, especially taking care of their spiritual needs and and looking out for their social needs as well. So that's that's still our mission today in the year, you know, 2023.
1: And weren't they founded pretty soon after the Civil yeah, War? Yeah,
2: right, right. So briefly, the, the founder was the head of what is a order called the Mill Hill Fathers from England. And one of the first missions of the Mill Hill Fathers was to come to the United States in 1871 to take care of the spiritual needs of the freed Catholic slaves. And so that's how originally we got started, 1871. And then in 1893, we offic- officially became a separate order called the Society of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart. And the short name is the Josephite. So we continue that mission today, uh, staffing predominantly African-American Catholic parishes in the United States. Right.
1: Well, and of course, we just recently celebrated Juneteenth, which as we know now, is a federal holiday uh, celebrating the end of slavery. Um, And did you have any commentary about that? Like, Deacon Harold, how did you feel when finally Juneteenth was being recognized by everyone all over America?
0: Yeah, and remember what Juneteenth is about. It's it's when the last group of, of, of slaves received notice about the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, and so that, and so that, really marks the end of slavery. You know, uh, uh, so it's it really is a, a wonderful way to remember, um, uh, you know, that that uh, momentous event. Uh, but we still face a number of challenges today. You know, uh, it, you know, we, we we celebrate the end of slavery, but we have to remember there's still the slavery to sin. There's still the slavery to uh, more relativism and to the ideology of the culture that we still have to free ourselves from, right? And, and so, uh, yes, so the physical slavery is ended, thanks be to God, but we still have to free ourselves, uh, freedom from sin to be free for, for uh, intimate relationship with with God.
1: Well, and one of, the, I think, the things that we have to be free of is the way abortion uh, is targeting, the Planned Parenthood targets the Black community, right, Deacon? I mean, when you talk about Targeting and, and basically uh, a prejudice to the Black community, uh, Planned Parenthood is really behaving that way, aren't they?
0: Yeah, we, we have to remember, um, and this is not polemics or triumphalism, but Margaret Samir was a racist and a eugenicist. It's just plain and simple. If you go to the Library of Congress and you look at her actual writings, what she actually wrote, not what someone else said she wrote, what she actually wrote, it's very clear that she says she's trying to exterminate. The, the Negro population, you know? Uh, and, and so uh, that's something not to be celebrated, that's something to be fought against. And here's the sad part, Janet and Father, in the post-bellum era, after the Civil War, the first thing that Black families did was to find their other family members that were separated from them or and then were sold into slavery. Because remember, when they came in as a family, they were often split up. The mom went to this owner, and the kids went to that owner, and even the kids were split up. And, and the first thing that they did was to try to find each other, to re-establish the nuclear family, right? And that was true all the way up through the 50s and the 60s. I remember uh, a wonderful show called Good Times, right? In, in the 1970s that, that chronicled the Evans family. Uh, that lived in a Chicago housing project and and how no matter what happened, all the challenges that faced that family, they stayed together, right? And and we look at what's happened now with with more relativism and no-fault divorce and the sexual revolution has decimated families, in particular, Black families where 70% of children are born out of wedlock, you know? Uh, So we have to really establish a a, a pro-life ethic within the black community. And it has to start with building a strong black families. Right,
1: and what's your experience, uh, uh, Father David? Because you are the pastor of a parish in a black community. So what do you see happening in your area?
2: Um, <clears throat> well, one of the things I try to stress, especially if I meet a young woman who maybe has, is pregnant, is not married, is to, I ask her if the father is involved in ta- helping take care of her, or in the life of the child, then unfortunately, it, it more often than not, it has been that the father is not involved for whatever reason. So I encourage them to, you know, make sure the father is involved, make sure, you know, he's paying child support, make sure sh- and make sure he's seeing the child because, you know, children ideally need two parents. And as a father, you know, he needs to to support his child, both for the sake of the child, but then also for his own emotional uh, you know, psychological well-being as well as the child. So that's one thing I try to stress. And then, of course, if tragically an abortion has occurred, I encourage them, if it's, you know, something they they feel they need to be healed of, then to seek out a, a post-abortion healing program like Rachel's Vineyard. Right,
1: right. So, um, Deacon, wouldn't you say um, there was a huge problem? I used to teach in an inner-city school, and I could tell you I experienced firsthand absentee dads that in the black community, we have a large percentage of absentee dads. Uh, These guys are, um, and I would say, you know, from the sexual revolution on, you know, it's like they just think they can have all these relations and they walk away and they figure, well, she'll take care of it, either have an abortion or, and if she even has the kid, they just exit out of of the the woman's life. Um, Don't you see this as a, a real problem, this absentee dads?
0: Oh, there's no question about it and you know um and I am a, a child of divorce uh myself right I mean we're immigrants to the United States and um, uh, my parents were together for a while but eventually they divorced and um you know people ask what is it like to be a child of divorce you know and I tell them the truth I said marriage is a beautiful thing it truly is but it's also the cross and divorce is when the parents put the cross down and the kids pick it up. Right. And and that's not a place that you ever want to be. So having experienced that uh myself, uh, and, and the breakdown of the nuclear family, it, it does have an effect on the children. And and here's the thing, uh, and so when you're in that kind of situation, and say you're a single mom, you know, and you don't have support from from the father, uh, the, you're then one of the things that you consider is abortion. You look at your finances, you look at your circumstances, it's just easier to quote. Get rid of the problem, right? Than to deal with it because you don't know what your support structures are going to look like or anything like that. But, but sadly, you know, uh, Black women account for about uh, 14 to 50% of the population, but account for about 35% of all abortions. Um, you know, uh, abortion is shrinking our churches, our schools, our communities, our congressional districts, as well as our future. You know, um, since abortion became uh, legal, Uh, more Black children have died in abortion clinics than by AIDS, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and violent crime combined. Mm -hmm. You know, every week, more Black children die in American abortion clinics than were killed in the entire Vietnam War. You know, um, more Black children are killed every four days than the Ku Klux Klan killed in 150 years. I mean, this is the reality. These are, these are sad, tragic statistics, but this is the reality of where we are. And so we have to start looking at building families, looking at, uh, at marriage, which, which is an institution that's being torn down and ridiculed by our culture today, you know, where fathers and mothers are working to support each other and to raise the family in the image and likeness of God, you know, and when you throw God out of the society, the family breaks down. So here's what I think we need to do: rebuild. You, you have strong men, You have a strong families, you have strong families, you have a strong church, you have a strong church, we take back this culture.
1: Right. Well, you know, the the one thing I noticed that's so lopsided, you know, when I was growing up in the 50s and the 60s, right? Uh, So in my day, uh, you met a guy, uh, you fell in love, you got married, then you had children, right? Nowadays, these couples, they meet each other, they hook up. Then they decide to live together, and if it's going okay, well, maybe they'll have a baby, and then maybe a two babies, and then maybe ten years down the road they'll decide and get married, and the children are in the wedding party. I mean, it, I, this is the lopsided world we're in, right?
0: No, no, exactly right. It's exactly the opposite of what God calls us to do. You know, you see in the Book of Genesis, God created the male and female. He created them, right, and then. He gives the first commandment, right? Uh, Not not the 10 commandments, right? But the first commandment is be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The word fruitful, there's Ephrata in Aramaic or para in Hebrew. It means to be open. It's the word they use for a flower that blooms, a flower that opens. So literally God's first words to us after he creates us and he establishes the covenant between the man and the woman, in other words, they get married, is to be open to life. <laughs> That's God's first words. That's His first right. commandment. And what we've done, because we think we're God, instead of being made in the image and likeness of God, we're trying to make God in our own image and likeness. God, I will tell you how this is going to go down. That's right. where we are in our culture today. And what we have to do is step back and remember who God really is. What God is trying to do, He's trying to establish a relationship of love and intimacy uh, based on His own relationship within Himself in the Trinity. We're reflections. The family is a reflection of God's own life in the Trinity. And that's what we have to get back to.
1: Right. Well, you know, the, you guys must find this interesting. Um, recently, I was in a, a, a discussion group uh, with a, a lot of black pro-life leaders. And one of the things they pointed out that I had never heard, I'll see if you have either of you have, was that these men nowadays, when they will look for a girl to marry black men, they want a girl who hasn't been sleeping around with a whole bunch of other men they want they want a virgin they want a good girl but yet if you ask them oh they've been playing around for years but now when they want to settle down they want a a a pure girl and i was i said to myself really and and they these these black leaders are having this whole tape round table discussion i was listening to it and and they said oh yeah this is what's happening now are you finding that deacon or or father david
0: no, absolutely. Here's the sad, here's the ironic thing, you know. You have all these guys with you know the the the, the hit it and quit it mentality. You know, pleasure is your god. You know, um, and and they cave into the desires of the flesh. But yet, when it comes to establishing a relationship of of love and intimacy, a lifelong commitment, they want somebody that's pure, right? <laughs> so so it, it makes no sense. So if if you're pure yourself, right? If if you're making commitment to keeping yourself chase right, and, and living in, uh, from the heart of God in, in his divine love and intimacy, then that's what you're going to be looking for in the other person. So you don't want to objectify the other person. You want to see God in the other person standing in front of you, you know, and, and that's the ironic piece. So we have to, you know, uh, uh, talk, walk the, the walk and talk the talk. So it's not just enough to say, oh, I want to marry, you know, a virgin, but you have to be pure yourself. And um, and the more we live in the life of God, the more we're going to have strong families, and the more we're going to eliminate this uh, this problem of abortion in the black community.
1: Yeah, Father David, you've had any? Did you, have you heard of this? Uh,
2: well, it's funny. I I heard of that recently, and I I thought it was it was uh, humorous in a in a in an odd way, right? Like right. like the deacon had just said, guys are are playing the field as we used to say, and they're looking for someone. Well, you know the the best the best way to I think guarantee you're going to have a happy marriage is to Begin, you know, living a chaste life as a young person, you know, if you're if you're playing around and then you want to find someone who's good and pure, well, it's going to it, you're going to have to break that habit. And it's easier to begin a good habit. And then um, it's going to be easier then for them to marry. But yeah.
1: Well, and there is a second chance. I know there's a lot of groups, they call it um, a second promise or second chastity sure. that, sure. okay, they've sinned, but then they make right, a promise, guys, to sin no more, mm-hmm. right? Go and sin no more. To so saying, all right, I'm not a virgin, but from this point forward, that's how I'm going to live till I meet the person I want to marry, right? So there is a, a way out here, right? A second chance. No, Deacon?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have to remember, this is how we break the cycle of poverty as well. Um, uh, within the Black community. You know, when we have families that stay together um, and we have husbands and wives working together to give of themselves completely in love and sacrifice for their families, you know, uh, that's when we see, you know, the the income levels go up. We see the educational levels start to rise. uh, And then then we see the cycle being broken within the family. Like in in my own family, my father had multiple other children outside of his marriage to my mother you know, and, and that was the way with his father and his father before him. And so what I did was I broke that cycle. You know, why? Because I stayed strong in my faith. I stayed strong in my faith. And we, we have to remember, abortion would be something that would be completely unthinkable in, on the continent of Africa. There are many, many countries uh, in the continent of Africa that would, is there, or abortion is absolutely unthinkable. But the United States and other uh, countries are trying to Inculcate Western ideology into the giving of aid. So, in other words, they're tying uh, uh, aid for family, for uh, you know, natural disaster and, and, and recovery efforts and things like that to abortion and contraception initiatives. You know, and and many African countries are rejecting that because you know it, it didn't matter how however the child was was conceived, that child was loved and and accepted. Um, uh, as, as part of that family, and we have to return to those to those values. It's not enough to name our, our kids African names or put African clothes on them. We have to start living those uh, those values as well.
1: All right. Here's another question, guys. Both of you preach in Catholic churches, right? right? You're a pastor, and I know deacon, you're associated with a church, like you said. And the minute you preach about abortion, they tell you you're getting too political. Uh, so, Father David, first to you. Uh, how do you respond to that? Because I always say it's a human rights issue, but the minute you talk about abortion, right, yeah. you're being pigeonholed in, oh, you're you're promoting the, the Republican Party, not the Democrats, right?
2: Yeah, that's one of the critiques I had uh, because I had, I don't know what I was talking about. I, I had used some phrase, uh, I used this phrase, I don't mean to be partisan. And immediately people thought, that that was a dog whistle to support the Republican Party, and I and I had to clarify. No, when I said that, I meant I am not a Democrat. I am not promoting Republicans or Libertarians. I'm trying to stay free of that. So yes, uh, you know it, it it does come up, and, and sometimes people assume because someone appears to be a certain way or a certain personality that they're all of a sudden a, 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 you know a, a card-carrying member of the. <laughs> Republican Party, and I've never stated my political preferences, but people think that uh, I've been told. People think that I'm a a diehard Republican. But you know, the important thing is to is to preach the truth as always, and we have to. You know, the church comes first, politics is second. We always have to preach the gospel, what the church has consistently taught for two thousand years, and that is abortion is a grave evil. If you have committed a grave evil, God will forgive you if you have to ask for repentance. And so we always we always have to promote the truth. Even if someone says, oh, gee, you're you're this, this or this. We say, no, the the gospel comes first. The gospel preceded all of that by, you know, two thousand years. And we have
0: to be faithful to the gospel.
1: Great. And Deacon, what's your experience in the preaching world when you
0: preach pro-life and abortion? Yeah, well, well said, Father, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. I, 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 I Same thing. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 415 that we have to preach the truth. In love, right? And Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted and assaulted for you know for, for my sake. You know, so when you speak about these these issues, it's going to happen, right? And, and, and here's the thing: abortion is not a political issue, it's a life and death issue that has become politicized. So, what I do is I try to take the politics out of it. I just talk about the issue. I don't talk about this party or that party, I talk about the issue itself. And the thing is. We, as um, in African-Americans, we do a great job of raising awareness around important issues like poverty, affirmative action, racism, civil rights. But if we continue to kill ourselves through this egregious abuse of our freedom through abortion, there's not gonna be enough of us around for anyone else to care. Um, when we allow abortion, we actually assist in the uh, and encourage the destruction of our own race something that hate groups couldn't accomplish for decades in this country. So for us as uh, as black Catholics particularly, and indeed for the entire African-American community, abortion is not about opinion or choice. It's a matter of life and death. And that's what we need to focus on. We, we, we can't think politics first. We have to think our faith first and live in accordance with the tenets of our faith and not the tenets of the culture. That's right. Exactly. And
1: Deacon, I know you've written several books and you have several programs on EWTN. If people want to uh, get a hold of your books or, or get a hold of you, wh- what website can they go to?
0: Just deaconharold.com Everything's there.
1: Wow, Deacon Harold, that's easy to remember. (laughs) (laughs) One stop shopping, right? That's it. Well, listen, I want to thank you and Father David uh, joining us for this lively, lively discussion. And I hope everybody learned a few things here. You gave us a lot of statistics. I hope people would jot those down. And people have to understand, life is always a good, life is precious, and that's what we're here to protect. So thanks for joining us. And brothers and sisters, I just want to remind you about our own website. CivilRightsForTheUnborn.com, CivilRightsForTheUnborn.com, a lot more information there. So until now, Janet Marana, Executive Director of Priest Life, thank you and God bless.